You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. today when I went to the store and bought a pack. They're like, this early in the morning? I said, yeah, it's for church. They're like, what kind of church is that? It's the fun kind. Why did that strike you as so bad for just a second? Because our body is a temple. Partly true. Do you know why? This is no longer socially accepted. Did you know type 2 diabetes kills more people each year than this does, but yet none of you would have gotten offended if I would have pulled out a Snickers bar. Because this has a pattern in our mind that is no longer acceptable. And today I want to talk about patterns. Today I want to look at the fact that we have patterns in our lives that we just kind of follow. And I would say when it comes to these patterns, some of you are following these patterns by design, and others of us are following these patterns by default. And what particular pattern is that? Well, we're in a series that is based on a home-run life, specifically for our children. We want to see our children run the bases and score, win, be a success, become all that God has intended them to become. But today, there has never been more confusion around how to do that than there is today. Because when it comes to this idea of what does the pattern of success look like, you can ask so many parents, and they all kind of have a different definition of what they think success looks like. They will tell you, well, success looks like my children getting into an Ivy League school. Or success looks like my children testing out of high school, and becoming an entrepreneur, that's what success looks like. But what is the pattern from God's word? We're starting a parenting series, and uh, honestly, with everything going on in the world, I really questioned the Lord. I was like, really, right now, a parenting series? And he said, yes, because all of the world's problems started because of parenting. All of them. They're all parenting problems. Whether parenting was parenting by design or by default, our problems are based on our parenting. You and I, who we are because of either good or neglectful parents. And you can see what's happening in our culture and in our world. It's because of parenting. And so there's never been a more important time than for you and I that have children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren or we have children that are in our influence for us to step back and say, what does this book with its timeless truths say how to raise up this generation 
because there is the evil one who wants to get our children. If he can start young and corrupt them when they're young, he knows, hey, hey, I've got them. And so we want to find the pattern. You see, you and I, we can deal with problems, but it's the patterns that should most concern us. So my question is, what is your pattern for parenting? Has you ever thought about that? What is my pattern for parenting? Or was it more of just like, hey, I just did whatever was socially accepted, and if it wasn't socially accepted, I just didn't do it. Spanking, not socially accepted, I just didn't do it. Timeouts, that was socially accepted. Did it work? I don't know. I was going by what was socially accepted. Isn't that interesting? God has much to say about parenting because God is a father. And as a father, he has a lot that he wants to say to his children. And so if we can this morning, would you turn your attention to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number six, and I want to look at nine verses together. We brought back your sermon notes so you can take notes if you'd like to as we follow along, because I believe it's going to be important what we have, and this will be a great series to invite people to, because this is a subject that is on people's minds. So whether you're a single parent, whether they're both parents in the household, whether you're a grandparent, or you hope to be a parent one day, I hope you'll take some notes, and then God can use it in your future. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 1. Let's begin reading. The Bible says this. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you, your sons, and your grandsons, all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. God is laying out here a blueprint for blessing. He's laying out how can our lives be blessed and prosperous. All of a sudden, I hope when we read the end of verse 2, we all kind of perked up because if you are concerned about pandemics and viruses, notice how he says that your days may be prolonged. All of a sudden, you and I, we should kind of perk up and be like, yeah, I want to have prolonged days. What is God's plan? And God lays out a blueprint for blessing or In our case, a pattern for us to practice. What is that pattern? Verse number three. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you. A land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You and I have a responsibility to teach this pattern to our children that they can practice it. You say, well, what is that pattern? As we dive into the scripture this morning, I'd like to ask God's blessing on the reading, but also our time together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need you. And God, our country desperately needs you. Father, I lift up our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, Christians that have chosen to remain in place to continue to shepherd their flocks. Father, would you put an almighty hedge of protection about them? Would you send your guardian angels to them? Father, we pray in your Wrath, remember mercy. God, would you send America a great revival? Father, we desperately need you. May the people which are called by your name humble themselves. 
and seek your face once again. May we pray and ask that you would once again heal our land. Father, we need you. We need you right here in San Jose, California. I pray a mighty moving of the Spirit, God. Lord, would you meet with us in the next few moments we have together. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have a great service planned this morning. I'm looking forward to our time together. But we're looking at this idea, what is a pattern for parenting? And this idea is really based on a sermon series we did at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019. And we called it A Home Run Life. Because culture today is all about success. Everybody will talk about success. And everybody has their ideas of what success looks like. And that's their goal, isn't it? Whatever it takes, just be successful. And so I'm going to write success just over here because when it comes to our lives, we think about success and, and how much money you can get, how many houses, how many cars, uh, uh, are you in the C-suite, uh, uh, where, how successful are you? Um, if, if you're single, culture would say, hey, how many people have you uh, been with? And, uh, or they would say things like, how many followers or how much social media clout do you have? How are your grades if you're a student, whether high school or in college? There's all these different ideas about success. But the problem with success, this is a terrible starting point. Because as you and I are well aware, there are some very successful people that are very lonely, very depressed, and their lives are miserable. Though on the outside, it looks like they have it all. So we've lived in a culture that says pursue success at whatever cost. The only problem is success by itself is empty. Because you and I, when we think about success, we never pictured ourselves alone and successful. We've never pictured that. We always pictured it with someone. You see, success, we never picture it by ourselves. When you imagined finally getting the promotion, you want to come home to celebrate with somebody. You want to say, all right, that's it. I'm going to pay. And then everybody thinks you got religion, got saved because you're finally paying for something. They're like, wow, something big did happen. This person's actually paying. And where are we going? Denny's? Now I know why he's paying. All right, okay. So you, you and I, we never picture success by ourselves. This is where some people, they will find themselves at the end of their lives, and they realize that life is empty and meaningless because I have no one around me. Yesterday, I went to a memorial service. It's an odd thing for a pastor to say he enjoys going to a memorial service, but I enjoy it when I hear all the stories of everybody because a rich man or woman is the man or woman who, when they have passed on, that they, for hours and hours, people were recounting loving, fond memories of that person. That, my friend, is a rich person. And so it was a blessing to be encouraged as you just heard stories that this person left a legacy. So we never picture success by ourselves. Also, when it comes to this idea of success, we also said that you never just picture it by yourself with someone. You also think of it, I don't want to cheat my way to success. So you think of something called what I say, self-respect. You want people to know that, guess what? You earned that position. You had integrity, hard work, grit, something that our culture is losing. Our culture is cut corners, be cutthroat, do whatever you got to do to get ahead. Lie, cheat, steal, whatever it takes. And sadly, America is paying the price of that. Our country is paying the price because that's ingrained in the culture. No longer do we have people with integrity. No longer do we have people of character. No longer do we even have, sadly to say, even Christians that have basic integrity to say, hey, I'm going to stand for what is right. I'm not going to capitulate. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. Now we want to live in this gray area, don't we? And so we've lost our self-respect. You see, and then finally, success, the culmination of success, sadly, is something where we look for late in life, but we should start with it, and that's significance. 
significance. You know, isn't it amazing that it's people when they're 70 and 80 that they talk about, I didn't do anything that mattered with my life. Why wait till you're in the twilight of your life to chase significance? How about right now, we've got young people in this church, how about right now, think, what significant impact can I have with my life? Whether you're middle-aged, what significance can I have? And that's why this series is so important because if you're a parent or a grandparent, your greatest significance may be not what you accomplish or do, but in who you help raise. That, my friend, and even Psalms talks about in Psalms 127, that, that children are like arrows in the hand of a mighty man. That that's significance, but what significance can you have? What abilities? You see, what we've done in culture is we've inverted. We're chasing success before significance. And so I want to help us with our parenting today. Now, not because I'm an expert. You know why I'm doing this? Because I struggle a lot with parenting. I have three children. I've got an 11-year-old, a preteen. Love her to death. She's great. Then I've got a 9-year-old. He's awesome. He's, he's turning into his own little man. And then I've got a 4-year-old. And it's just fun because I've got all these different gaps. I've got really a... a, a, a toddler that's leaving the toddler age and i've got one in primary and then i've got one that's preteen. so it's three different age groups which also means three pta meetings which also means three different activities so i'm just busy my wife's busy and so we're trying to figure out this thing of parenting and i don't have it down but i have a mentor a friend and he's been helping me with this and we've been talking through when it comes to this idea of home run what does it look like to hit a home run in parenting and i want to help us because i'm struggling with this because i want my children to turn out because today i see a product of a lot of people who their children are not turning out now sometimes we can take responsibility from that sometimes we can't but when it comes to this topic understand that home plate needs to be all about connecting with god all right so we're going to start with home plate is all about connection with god okay you can write the word connect we want to connect with god that's connection. And then this series, we're going to go to the base two. Excuse me, first base. First base, all right? You can tell I'm really good at sports, all right? So connect, but then next you have character. A child's character should be one of the first things in their life, teaching them character. After that, you're thinking about community. I want my child in healthy community. You know, one of the things my wife and I, we pray for is we pray that our children have good friends. You know, when it comes to our friends, they make or break us. This is why small groups are so big for churches. We want you to be around the right people. But then we also talk about our job, and then it's competency. All right? And I'm not going to spell the whole thing out. You know it. <laughs> and I'm homeschooled, and my brain just kind of froze on me. All right? So you know the word. Next time I'm going to hire somebody to write for me. You can't even read my handwriting anyway. So when it comes to a home run, raising home run kids, this is what we want. We want kids that connect with God. We want kids that have godly character. We want them to have great friends. We want them to be competent in something. We want them to know how to do something, either working with their hands, working with their mind, or be able to create something. We want our kids to run the bases. We want healthy, mature children that somebody else looks at and be like, man, you did a good job. And you say, no, no, not me. I had a pattern for parenting. I had a game plan going into it. No football team goes into a game without a game plan. 
I used to say military wouldn't get into a plan of action without a game plan, but we all know that lately we don't know if there ever was a plan. It just kind of seems like do whatever in Afghanistan, sadly. And it just seems like what happened to the plan? But yet you and I, we need to say there's got to be a pattern for parenting. Now, this works even if you just have some people in your influence at your job. You can help them with this because there are people that are looking for something, somebody to mentor them. So when it came to raising uh, my own children, I have a mentor named Hal. I meet with him twice a month. He has a church. He's pastored. He's older, and he's kind of become a spiritual father figure to me. And the thing that Hal told me, and this is powerful, he said, your problem, Micaiah, is you're trying to raise kids. And I said, how much do I pay you for that again? Like, like what do you mean? Of course that I'm trying to raise kids. He said, no, 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 that's your problem. Stop trying to raise kids and start trying to raise adults. Aha, light bulb moment. I get it now. He said, your problem is you don't understand that, and I'm not a big guy. I'm 5'8 and maybe 160 pounds dripping wet. You know, there's not a whole lot to me, you know. But he said, here's your problem. Right now, parenting should be very easy for you. And I said, are you kidding me? He said, it should be very easy for you. He said, look, even though you're not very big, you're still bigger than all three of your kids. He said, so you know what you can do? You can intimidate them. I said, yeah. And he said, and they will be scarred for life. I said, no, don't want that. He said, you can intimidate, you can manipulate, and you can coerce. That's not parenting. And he said, that's what I see most parents doing. They're walking down the cereal aisle, and little Sally, little Johnny, reaching for the cereal. No, you can't have Lucky Charms. And then it becomes this battle in the cereal aisle. And all of a sudden, the parent is trying to say, hey, don't you do that. And then it becomes a negotiation. You're not parenting. That's not helping. And yet today, that's what we're doing, aren't we? We're trying to parent kids instead of saying, wait a minute. I want this to be a mature adult that connects with God, has godly character, has good Christian friends, has competency. So how do I do that in this scenario with cereal right now? How do I help them grow in that process? I need a pattern for parenting. And notice what the scripture says in verse 2. He says, you your son and your grandson. He's laying out a timeline. He is saying, hey, your kids need to grow up to the point where they can have kids and not kill them. Did you catch it? Grandchildren, all right? Parents in here have told me grandchildren are God's gift to you for parents who didn't end their children's lives. That's that's what grandchildren are. They're your reward for not just saying, hey, There's a delta out there, and man, I could just bury you in it, okay? I mean, it's just that we can just go out there, and you're just gone. So here we see we've got this pattern. Now, here's the question. What do you want for your kids? What do you want them to become? Do you want them to become entitled, selfish, egotistical, instant gratifiers? Because when you walk down the cereal, and they say, gimme, 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 and you're like, fine, there you go. You know what you just created? Somebody that cannot sit with a negative emotion. They need instant gratification. Instant gratification is also instant validation to that child. I'm in charge. You know your children know when they're in charge, don't you? They know when they're in charge. They know when your word is real and when it's not. They know which parent to go to. Sadly, my, parent, my children are geniuses. Here was Cain. Jane was going to go and help her sister who had a baby. And Cain's like, are you going to go yet, Mom? Are you going to leave yet? He was excited about the law leaving the house. 
because no child likes parents. Just like nobody likes God. We don't. No, there's not a natural side that says, oh, man, I want a parent in my life. I want rules. I want structure. I want discipline. I want to go through a pattern of parenting. But yet you and I, we can't give into instant gratification. Instant gratification being I got to appear like a great parent. Here's the cereal. There you go. Or we go into coercion. You see, it's easy these days just to say, hey, I can just quick fix and just give them what they want. And I look like a great parent and I can post something on uh, uh, Instagram, look like a great parent. No, you and I need to step back and say, I am parenting by default and not by design. God wants you to parent by design. And that needs to be our goal, that have I designed this? And this comes to mom and dad talking about and saying, hey, what, how do we want my kids to turn out? Because I'll, I'll tell you. It used to be that, man, every once in a while, maybe, maybe teenagers would leave the home and, and, and want nothing to do with God. Now, sadly, it just seems like that's par for the course. Look at most churches. They don't reflect our church. We've got young, middle-aged, elderly. It, they, this isn't it. I've gone to church after church after church. It's all white hair. No young people. They all left the church. What happened? And, and nobody started out parenting saying, hey, I want my kids to hate God and want nothing to do with him. No, what they did was they didn't think, i got to connect them to the creator. I, I, that's home base. And that's what the verse says. Seek the, first the kingdom of God. He even says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He's saying, connect with your creator. And if that's not your starting point, my friend, then you need to say with your spouse, say, hey, we need to connect them to the creator. How can I do that? How about prayer, Bible reading, encouraging to go to church, get them into a small group. Uh, We're going to be starting up a youth group in the church in this fall season, get them into rich kids. I would do everything I can. I would look for a Christian school. I would say, how can I connect my child to their creator? You say, my child's older. They're over 18, and maybe I missed some of this stuff. It's never too late. It's never too late to say, hey, we're going to pray. I'm going to send you Bible verses. I'm going to encourage you every day. I'm going to buy you a really nice Bible. I'm going to buy you a journal. I'm going to invite you to any series, any church thing. I'm going to try to get you around because I'm going to parent by design and not by default. 81% of all teen pregnancies come from fatherless homes. 81% of all teen pregnancies, fatherless homes. What happened? There was no design. It's just default. You see, dads, we have four primary areas we need to be present physically emotionally spiritually financially now some of you are like i get the financial one like i feel like that's all i'm really there for but no 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 your presence is so important and yet we often we don't parent by design we parent by default and notice this we also need to move from unintentional to intentional parenting i have rediscovered dr james dobson anybody ever familiar with dr james dobson i'm going to tell you if you're a parent rediscover this. Dr. James Dobson, maybe something you say, well, that, that's from maybe a generation ago. His stuff on parenting is so profound. He said it's better to prepare your children than to repair your children. That's good. It's better to prepare them than repair them. Much easier. Now, the church will be there, but yet we need to say, Lord, I'm going to follow the pattern for parenting. Lay it out for me. And Scripture lays it out. He lays it out for you. Benjamin Franklin said this, if you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. Have we just given up? I know parenting's hard. I can't tell you how many times you're just so stressed out about it. Like parenting will just take you to the edge. All of you are hard workers. You're busy. You're dealing with COVID. You're dealing with all these things. And on top of that, you've got to raise a person not to be a serial murderer. You're just like, man, this is tough. This is hard. And it takes a lot of time. 
And I want to help us this morning. How do we move from unintentional to intentional? So let's go to God's word on this, all right? Notice if you would, verse 6 and 7. It says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. I love this. He said you need to talk about these things. Would you write this down? First of all, intentional talk. If we're going to have a pattern for parenting, it starts with intentional talk. Just intentional talk. It's so simple. He put it there. Hey, talk with your children. You know something that keeps us between our children? It's a little device made by Apple, a little phone. You know how many times that robs moments with our children to talk and parent? I'm guilty of this. You want to just have a quiet dinner. Here, while you eat, just, just take this. Watch whatever you want. Just, just take it at the restaurant. Just take it. We put up a rule that said, hey, electronics are only on the weekends. No electronics during the week. It's only on weekends. And I can easily take that away. Because we want intentional talk. We are trying to capture our children's heart because somebody wants to talk to your children. If you won't talk to them, then somebody is. Go to Genesis chapter number 3. Who was talking to Eve? Was it Adam or Satan? Satan. We need to be talking to our spouses, talking to our kids, and it needs to be intentional. Intentional time to talk to them. Why? Because that's when we get their heart. That's where we capture them, when we talk to them, when we lock eyes with them. You know what that says when you lock eyes with somebody? It says, you are important to me. I want to know what you have to say. And we're not thinking of what to say. We're just asking questions. We're just saying, I want to know your heart. And you can say that. You can, you can go to your children and just say, hey, mommy, dad, I just want to know your heart. What are you thinking about? What's going on? Thinking about quackless. I want some quackless. And then you got a beautiful moment. And then you pull out your phone and you're like, oh, that's so cute. Say that again. Say quackless. Dad, I'm 21. Quackless. You know, it's just like, what, what's going on? But it's that intentional talk because that's one of the greatest moments. Your children look back and say, mom and dad made time to talk to me. Because they, they, they will tell you, hey, I'm struggling with some areas. I'm struggling with a teacher. I'm struggling with this. And I need that help. But here's the problem. You and I only talk about what's really in our heart. Luke 6, 45 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The reason I'm afraid most of us don't talk to our children about spiritual things, because it's actually not in our heart. It's very easy to come to church and do this, just kind of, hey, check. Got that out of the way. God is saying, hey, when you wake up, I'm on your mind. When you walk by the way, I'm on your mind. When you lie down at night, I am on your mind. God is saying, I'm just always there, just in your heart. And so it should be easy to talk about it. We're coming into football season. It's fun to talk about football. It's, time to rip, it's fun to rip on the Raiders and how they stink. It's great, you know? I just love it. But then what about talking to our children about things that are a little bit more important than football? And I know it's easy. It's easy. Oh, Selena's mad. She's, oh, I thought she was coming to interrupt the message with the Raiders. Like, I'll show you. It's like, security. <laughs> you see, it's this intentional talk. Uh, the Bible says this, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We need to redeem the moment. My wife started something, and she said, hey, it's real easy to just get in the car, listen to your favorite music, listen to your favorite podcast, and just kind of, I'm driving you know, I don't want to get in an accident. Instead, my wife created something that's very, very powerful. Whenever my kids and drive to church or drive to school, they pray. The whole way. They pray. Everybody. If you're a guest riding with them, you're praying. 
This is why I love it when we got church kids in the car. I'm like, ooh, we're going to find out how good your parents are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't stink. I'm not as bad. Your kid doesn't know. No, I'm just kidding. Kids get caught off guard, and then they pray, and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, never mind. You really are. have great parents. (laughs) I need to talk to them. I need help. What are we doing? Because you could just sit there in traffic and be like, oh, I can't stand this traffic. Or you could say, hey, why don't we pray? Let's pray. You see, you see an ambulance go by with the lights on. Oh, let's pray for that person. Let's pray right now, redeeming the time. It's intentional talk. Let's take what we have right now and have this intentional time. You see, it's very hard to press something into your children that hasn't been pressed into you. And we need to press this in on our children. Because the school system today, I'm afraid, in public schools is indoctrination stations. They, they, they don't want your child to connect with God. That's, they would rather confuse your child and say, no, 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 uh, see you at the poll or National Day of Prayer. No, 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 no we're not going to do that. No prayer in school. We're not going to do that. And I wish I could say we were better for it, but we're not. Because now we have an Ivy League school that was started to train preachers now just had their very first chaplain who is an atheist how sad is that in america a school a college that was started to train seminary students now has their very first atheist what happened we've said our children it's not important if you connect with god you see it's intentional talk talk to your children do your children know what is right and what is wrong you say yeah they listen to cnn they'll figure it out no my friend you and i are the parents You know, the act of parenting means to raise up a child. That's what parenting means. You are parenting by default and not by design. You and I need to say, you know what? This is it. This is my job. I raise these kids for the next 18 years. That's my focus. I will give up on my career. I will give up on these dreams. I can pursue those later. But I want to do the best I can with these children. Because I want godly children that connect with God, that have godly character, that have good friends, that have competency. I'm raising this, but it takes intentional uh, talk. But then notice this. Not only intentional talk, but we've also got to back up. It also requires intentional time. It says you shall teach them diligently to your children. And then he gives a list of when you talk about them. You see, what are your time choices teaching your children? What are your time choices teaching your children? Because I know we're headed back into football season, and I know we're headed back into things where it's real easy to see what really matters to you based on your time choices. You see, whatever gets little time gets developed little. You say, I want to be good at a a musical instrument. Excellent. How much time are you going to practice? You say, I want to get better in my life group, and I want to spend more time. I want to be better at this, or I want to grow at this hobby, or I want to do this. Whatever gets more time gets better. But sadly, you and I don't invest intentional time. Your children can easily feel like an afterthought. Every night, I want to be there to pray with my children when they go to bed. I want the last thing on their mind is to hear daddy praying over them when they fall asleep. So for year after year after year after year, I cannot, unless I'm out of town, I cannot remember a night where I was not the last thing they saw. I want to pray with them. I want them to have God's word on their mind. I want them to know that. That's intentional time. My friend, all of us can do that. We can be praying. You can pray with your spouse or your significant other saying, hey, I'm praying for this person. I want them to know. You say, moms, well, my kid's a teenager. My mom did not believe in doors or privacy. She had seven kids. She was like, that door doesn't mean nothing to me. Why do you got it? Open it up, walk in, pray with you. Didn't matter. If anything, it kept me from getting into bad stuff is all it did because you just didn't know when mom was going to show up and pray over you. You just just didn't know. Mom just barge in, put her hand on you, just pray with you. All seven of her children 
All of them. You know how long it takes to pray with seven children? Because it's not just a prayer. It's I want a drink. I want a story. Rub my back. It's all these little things that go into it. So it's exhausting. You're like, I just want to get to bed. But yet that priority of intentional time. You see, whatever gets little time gets developed little. Also, we all have the same amount of time. We all don't have the same values. I don't have to ask to raise hands on which one of these is most important. Because I think we all know. Connecting with the creator is most important. I think across the board, we would all agree with that. But our values would betray if that's correct. Our values will be the litmus test. You see, we all have the same amount of time. We all don't have the same values. What is most important? I've heard people say, well, it's football season, so I'll see you in a couple months. I'm saying, you just set a value standard. You just said, when it comes to God, it's about convenience. When it comes to everything else, it's about commitment. Isn't that interesting? God is now about convenience. Everything else is a commitment. Work is a commitment. Hobbies are a commitment. Shopping is a commitment. Laundry is a commitment. And I get it. All these things need to be done. But the word is saying, seek first the kingdom of God that your days may be prolonged. And yet all of us are surprised we're not receiving God's blessing. Well, God's stepping back and he's saying, hey, you're not following my pattern for parenting. You and I need God's help to raise these little ones. We have a tough time because all parenting is today is basically don't watch that. Don't listen to that. Don't go to their house. No, you can't have that sleepover. No, you can't have that tattoo. No, you can't set the house on fire. No, you can't drive. You're nine years old. No, you can't eat that. You can't stick that there. Why is that in your nose? That's all parenting is. It's no, 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 no. And it's constant. It's exhausting. The things I pulled out of our toilet, I'm just like, why? What in the world? How did that get there? Parenting is just nonstop, but that's the job of it. That's what we're called to. You see, nowadays, more than ever, you have to be on guard on what your children are watching. Don't just think it's Disney, so it's okay. Disney has an agenda. Don't just think it's PBS, so it's okay. PBS has an agenda. Don't just think because it's news, it's okay. They have an agenda. Don't just think because they're out of elementary school, it's okay. They have an agenda. So you and I need to be diligent and say, hey, this is my child. This is my pride and joy. This is the most valuable thing to me. What are you going to teach them? What are you going to tell them? I want to know why I want to know everything. That's your right as a parent. And yet I see so many parents that are just like, ah, let them do whatever. Really? Isn't it amazing? Because you actually don't let them do whatever. How many of you just let your kids eat whatever they want? You'd be like, no, they, they don't eat whatever they want. How many of you parents just say, hey, you don't have to go to school if you don't want to? No, you don't do that. How many of you say, oh, no, 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 you, you don't ever have to take your medicine if you're sick? No, you don't do that. Yet why is it when it comes to things connected to God, that's optional? Isn't it amazing we've gotten there in our culture that this is optional? That it's like, it's optional. And sadly, I know why. Because it means you and I have to live at a different level. It means you and I have to live at a standard that we don't do things that our children just say, you say not to, but then I watch you do it. And you say, well, just do it because mommy says so, daddy says so. That doesn't fly. You see, parents, we are called to a higher standard if we're going to raise godly parents. And maybe you take a snapshot of this and say, God, help me to connect to you. God, help me to have godly characters. I'm tired of lying. I'm tired of cheating. I'm tired of stealing. 
I need good community. I need to be, uh, uh, have a competency in my work and my career. God, help me in these areas. And God, it will get me right in this area, and then I can help my children or my grandchildren. But God, I've got to do right, so I need the intentional talk. I need the intentional time. And thirdly and finally, notice this, if you would, intentional truth. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them on a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. There's a modern practice that still goes on in ultra-Orthodox Jewish communities and they have these little boxes. They're called phylacteries. Phylacteries. It's a weird term. It's a little box that they would... They, priests or very religious Jews would put on their forehead. You had a little door on it. There wasn't a little mouser in there or anything. It's like, say hello to my little mouse. No, it's not what it was. You would write down little scriptures and you'd put them in there. And the, I kid this is going to seem silly. The bigger your box was, the better you were. So if you could have a big phylactery hanging on your forehead, walking down to the marketplace, you're like, I could barely hold my head up because I got this thing, but I'm really spiritual. That Jesus, he preached against this phylactery thing because he was like, you, you just put the scripture there. It's not doing anything, but that's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, have it on your mind. Put it on your hands, and Satan's going to rip this the whole idea off eventually. This is where we're going to get the mark of the beast because anything that God initiates, Satan imitates. Mark it down. Whatever God initiates, Satan imitates. This is why you're going to have a mark of the beast. It's going to be on the forehead or on the wrist. Because God told the children of Israel, hey, have a mark on your head. I want people to know that you're my child. I want you to live like it. And I want you, when you're tempted to do wrong, you got something that's stopping you. Something that says, hey, don't do that. Don't go there. And it needs to be on you. And it's intentional truth. My friend, are you teaching your child intentional truth? Basic. Basic truth. Sadly, we are letting parents today saying, hey, I will let my kids pick their own faith, their own gender, and their own rules. That's what I'm hearing a lot of parents allow their kids to pick mothers. And that's the fact. My problem with that is we do that in no other area of life. It's not optional for your child to brush their teeth, but yet it's optional where they're going to spend eternity. So maybe we need to get back under the realities of heaven and hell. Maybe we need to get back to these realities that God created male and female, created he them. Maybe we need to get back to these biblical things that we start here and we teach them our children. Uh, one commentator said this. He said, hey, look, these people that are pushing this hardcore agenda and this ideology, he said they are not producing offspring. So they got to corrupt Christians and they got to corrupt the others. He said in 20 years, if we would just teach and train our children what God's word says, we'd be, things would be somewhat back to normal. If the Christians... You see, judgment just needs to start at the house of the Lord. If we would just do right, and isn't that crazy? Isn't that so, so crazy that if Christians would say, I'm just going to go back to church, I'm just going to read the Bible, I'm just going to pray, and as I read God's word, I'm going to look at my life, and if this says to change that, I'm going to change my life. But right now, today, that is like the craziest, wildest concept for people. It would... You would just seem like super Christian if you actually followed the Bible. And I know the temptation nowadays. I know the temptation to just say, no, I don't really go to church. I don't really gather with anybody. I don't, you know, just kind of just fly under the radar. But it's time that we as God's people say, hey, I'm going to be intentional with what is truth. 
I'm not, I'm not going to let Satan pervert these things. I'm going to be intentional with what is truth. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. That's our responsibility, to train them, to nurture and steward them. And if grandparents, if the parents aren't doing it, you step in and you pray and you fast and you say, God, any role that I can have. My parents, one thing growing up is they surrounded our house with Christian music. Now, there were all kinds of other genres of music, but in our house, it was Christian music or classical music. So that's why I have such a weird, eclectic taste with music. I can listen to anything and enjoy it. You want to listen to Mozart, Bach, Beethoven? Yeah, let's rock out to have a great time, some Bach. All my sermon prep, I have to be used to listening to classical music. It helps me think. Otherwise, I just think about weird, dumb things on YouTube. So I need something that keeps my mind focused. It was something that they just wanted their house to be surrounded with God. You would walk in our house, there would be pictures that were Christian pictures. There would be posters that were Christian posters. There would be verses everywhere. You would walk into our house, whether we lived on Brian or Cecilia or Normal, wherever my parents moved to in all their many journeys, you'd walk in and be like, this is a Christian house. Here's my question. Somebody comes over to your house. Would they be able to tell that this is a Christian house? Or would they be like confused? They'd be confused. I don't know if this is a Christian house. I don't see a Bible anywhere. I don't hear Christian music. What I do hear, oh, okay, all right. Explanatives, okay, that's good, all right. Not trying to judge, just kind of am judging. Whenever somebody says I'm not judging, they lied. You're being judged. Sadly, the home is is being attacked. And Christians, we need to be called back to this. And maybe you say, hey, my kids are grown and gone. Would you do me a favor and would you mentor the struggling parent? We've got wonderful adults here. You say, hey, my kids and grandkids are out. And man, you you could get up here and preach a much better sermon on raising children. So what I need you in our church, what I need for you to do is I need you to find a young couple and say, hey, I'll babysit your kids because the best gift a mom and dad can give to their children is a healthy marriage. That's the best gift they can give to their kids. A couple that loves each other, that works together, doesn't drift apart, because that's what happens in parenting. The very thing that, man, we're going to start a family that brings us together is the very thing that's been to divide, because you have no more time. And now we're so busy taking them to soccer and taking them to school and taking them to piano. It's, it's dividing us. So we need to be intentional, intentional with three things. And I need to rush here. I need to go. I'm sorry. Your children are asking three questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Your children are asking those questions. Who am I, Dad? Who am I, Mom? They want to know. They want to know. Because culture is telling them, you could be anything, any gender, any person. You could, just, you could just be it all. Do you know how confusing that is? This same person can't order at McDonald's. They can't figure out what they want. But yet now you're saying you could just be anything because it doesn't matter. Just figure it out. And you're like, no wonder we have so many depressed and children on antidepressants because there's no direction in their life. There's a, hey, you know what? God made you a beautiful young lady. And you're a beautiful young lady to the glory of God. 
and I'm going to help connect you to the creator, and I want to show you what biblical womanhood looks like. And, you're, you're, and I'm struggling with this with my son, Austin. I keep wanting to treat him like a little boy, and I just like, what's up, man? You know, and I'm just goofy with him. And he's like, dad, that's just not cool. And he's nine, and I'm just like, oh, he's turning into a little man. And it's hard for me because I do much better with, all right, man, let's be goofy and dumb. Let's just be dumb. And we just do dumb stuff. And he's not into it anymore. And I'm just like, I don't know how to parent this kid. And so for me, I've got to figure out that he wants to be called, hey, what's up, man? He wants me to say that to him. He doesn't want me to call him by a little pet nickname. He wants to be like, hey, what's up, man? And treat him like a man with respect. That's what, that's what he craves. And when he does that, Chest kind of comes out a little bit. It's like, yeah, flex it a little bit harder. Because as a man, he knows that at a young age, he needs respect. At nine years old, he knows God made him to need respect. A man needs that. And it's coming out of this young little man. He's not a little boy anymore. And I'm struggling. I'm trying to ask God for wisdom and say, what do my children need? My daughter, she's becoming a young teenager, young woman. And all of a sudden, I'm nervous and I'm scared. And I'm like, okay, how, how do it? Let's lock you up in your room, put you in a little tower. I get why Rapunzel was in a tower now. (laughs) Help me. Where's the tower I can lock her up? Keep her small and little and cute. And then you've got Cain, and I'm I'm struggling because now as a parent, I've got to figure out how do I bond with each of these in different life stages. And that's the hard thing. If you have more than three three children or you've got split home, you're, you're battling this. And I know the challenge, but your children are asking, Dad, Mom, who am I? And you've got to say, you are a child of the Most High God. That's who you are. That's your identity. You are a child of God, and you are to reflect your father. And every time you see them do something good, you don't praise them on their looks, their exterior. You say, you're looking a lot like your dad, your heavenly father. I like the way you treated your mom with respect and dignity. I like the way you didn't yell and hit your brother or sister. That's the way a child of God responds. And what do you do? You're connecting them here, and then you're building this, and you're moving them on. And then they get that affirmation. And parents, we can do this. Your children actually don't want to spend all day playing Fortnite. They don't actually want to spend all day watching TV. They actually want to wrestle. They want to talk to you. They want to be around mom and dad. Because one day, it is going to be true. The old song, Cats in the Cradle, it's going to be true. Man, they don't write songs like that today. Today, you got songs that I have like, why is this a song? This is nonsense. It's vile is all it is. Back then, there was some, that's a rather deep song. But as I was studying for this message, I realized that when Harry Chapman wrote that famous song, The Cats in the Cradle, do you know why he wrote it? His wife, Sandy, had wrote the poem and had given him the poem years before, and he just put it on the shelf. Didn't think anything of the poem because it was his wife's poem that she had written for him, telling Harry, you should turn this into a song. It'll make a great song. He's just kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he had his first son, Josh. And all of a sudden he said, hey, Sandy, can I have that poem one more time? And then he got the poem as he was looking at his son, Josh. He said, my child arrived just the other day. He came into the world the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking for I knew it. And as he grew, he say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. And you know the chorus. But the very last line is the saddest in the entire song. It says, I've long since retired. My son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I can find the time. You see, my new job's a hassle and the kids have the flu. 
but it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he grew up just like me. My boy was just like me. Our children are going to be parented by default or by design. And God lays out a pattern for parenting. And may this morning we say, God, I want to follow your pattern. Can we stand and close with a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we need you. Every parent, every grandparent, every adult, we need you. God, no one here is beyond needing you. We need your help and your interceding. Father, I pray that as we dive into this series, may it minister and encourage. May it get us thinking as parents. May it get us thinking about how are we intentionally are we intentionally spending time with our children, intentionally talking to our children, and intentionally passing on the truth to our children? Or are we just letting it happen by default and hoping for the best? God, you've laid out a plan, and if we follow it, we will find your blessing. And Father, every person here wants your needs your blessing. So I pray for all the moms and dads, future moms and dads represented here. God, may they see and sense your power. God, we need you desperately. Oh, Father, would you work in a mighty way? God, would you speak to every heart? With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here for the very first time, and it's challenged you, convicted you, or maybe you just say, hey, I, I needed a reminder, but maybe you're saying, hey, I need extra prayer. I have a tough child. And a tough child doesn't necessarily mean high school, doesn't necessarily mean uh, college. It could mean your child's 30 or 40. Maybe they've gone away from the Lord, and you're asking God for an opportunity to see them come back. I'd love our church to be a church where we can pray and lift you up. You're not alone in this. Is there anybody like that I can pray for you with nobody looking around? I see that hand, and that hand, and that hand. Oh, God bless you. I see that hand in the back. Amen. I see this hand in the left section. I see that hand. Oh, God bless you. Hands up in every section. God bless you. You may put your hands down. Heavenly Father, you see these hands. You see these hearts. And God, you have a plan to help us parent. Father, would you give us the promptings when we fail to follow your plan? Would you, in your mercy, send your Holy Spirit to nudge us and remind us to follow your plan? God, would you convict us and lead us back to you? Oh, may we be a church that supports godly men and godly women as they raise the next generation. Because we are the children of Israel in the city of Babylon. It's tough. It's difficult. But God, I believe as we put connecting with our Creator, having godly character, good community, and being uh, compassionate and having these things in our life will make it so that we are raising a generation that can make it through all that is unknown. So, Father, I pray that you'd bless. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.